Welcome to The Next Spring, a podcast about renewal and reinvention. I'm your host, Kathleen Goodman, a longtime student of change and an avid learner who loves to spot the links in disparate ideas. I'm in the throes of my own reinvention, so come walk along with me as I find my way through the unknown. This is episode six, Let Go. The last few weeks, we've been talking a lot about different ways to find your way through this sort of uncertain time, what William Bridges refers to as the neutral zone. And a lot of the things we've been talking about, like retreat and rest and maybe especially play, can feel a little bit lighthearted or reflective, This week, I'm getting into one of the fundamentally hard things to do, letting it go. It's a big part of the process of transition, and it's impossible to spring into a new beginning without doing a lot of it. A lot. This week, we'll dig into what letting go looks like, how we do it, and what gets really messy before it gets better. It's a funny thing, letting go. It sounds like it should be so easy. Just open your hand or your heart and release it. But we get really attached to things. When lockdowns started in early 2020, we all had a lot to let go of. Seeing people, plans we had so carefully made, vacations we'd been looking forward to. We were given the command to let go of a lot of things. Without that impetus, many of us probably would have just kept on in our patterns, maybe even savoring what we'd had going on. But now we got sort of thrust into a different place. And I've been noticing for myself, there's a lot more I'm still letting go of. For example, it has been months since I decided to leave my job. And months since I actually left. And yet, I'm still not done letting go. I think about what I've given up sometimes. And the parts that I miss seem sweeter than ever right now. But what I'm letting go of now is other stuff. It seems more subtle or secondary. For example, my job gave me an identity, a sense of purpose, accolades, a clear picture of what I was striving for, a measuring stick of what good looks like. I've had a version of that for 25 years, and now I have a blank page to write on. Honestly, it's unnerving. How do I true up where I stand, what my true north is, what to do next when I don't have that context, that identity to lean on? I find myself stepping around that question a lot right now. I'm in the throes of creating a new context for myself, but it's uncomfortable when the old one has gone and the new one hasn't yet taken form or risen up. Another thing I've let go of is the feeling of being competent or really, really good at things. I'm not deluded. I still have a lot of competence to draw on, but today I do a larger proportion of things where I have a lot less competence or experience. And I am a lot klutzier at new things. There is no mastery. And a beginner's mind sounds so fresh and appealing, but they leave out the part where it is painful to struggle and fail and try again. Today I sat in my car and sobbed, like really sobbed for several minutes straight, like awkwardly long time. I'm taking guitar lessons as a play thing to do in this in-between time. And in my lesson this week, I could just not get what my teacher was trying to show me. 
It felt like my brain and my limbs couldn't get together. And the more I concentrated, the worse it got. I realized this is going to come with practice, but I got so overcome I almost cried during my lesson. I managed to keep it together long enough to get to my car before I let loose. After I emerged from this outpouring of emotion, it got me thinking about what was the force behind these tears. It can't just have been that the strumming of zombies by cranberries was eluding my sense of rhythm. No, I suspect it became either the straw that broke this camel's back or a symbolic example of a bigger loss or release that I'm working through. I have to be ready not to be competent. I am doing a bunch of things right now that don't quite fit. They're unfamiliar. They don't play to skills or abilities that I've been honing for a while. I have to let go of the feeling of having most things I face in a day come easily or effortlessly. William Bridges takes on this question in Transitions. What is there to let go of now? And life is asking me, how about now? And now? I wept for how much I've let go of already, but I'm not done yet. There's still more to let go of. Part of the ongoing quest to let go, to let the ending keep coming. The new beginning is peaking up in places, but it can't fully fledge without letting go of a few more things. I was talking with a friend who's an executive coach right now about how many clients are in the midst of major career changes. Some of that is the variety where one leaps within your organization, but others are dramatically leaving their industries, majorly shaking up the arc of a career. The great resignation is underway. Where will we all land, and what will we have to let go of along the way? More than we'd imagine, I suspect, is the answer. Yet there is hope. The letting go isn't for nothing. Otto Scharmer and Peter Senge have this model called Theory U. They describe the left side of this U, the descending side, if you will, as a series of steps of letting go. Letting go of your perspective, letting go of the known world, etc. But as you let go, you get momentum and you descend the U and it can propel you up the other side. Like being in a river that has its own gentle current. It's carrying you somewhere. I have this sense that I must be in the right river, but I have no idea where it's leading me. Sometimes that feels really scary and I want to grab onto something to regain some control. But the current is carrying me and I have to let go of being able to see how the story will end just yet. There's a great book called River of Doubt. It tells the story of Teddy Roosevelt and a harebrained expedition to the Amazon. If you'll indulge me in setting aside the colonial exploration and exploitation overtones, the story describes how this team faced all sorts of challenges. When a river is uncharted, they didn't know where the drops were, and they lost a canoe that smashed on the rocks of an unforeseen cascade. They got some help to carve a new canoe out of a fallen tree and carried on their way. They faced so many challenges and had to get creative at every turn. It's terrifying on the one hand and thrilling on the other. As I travel my own river of doubt, stories of adventures that have come before help to provide some comfort that this is all part of the process. In his book, Hero with a Thousand Faces, Joseph Campbell plays out his observations of the common motifs and phases of the hero's journey. He finds them in myths and stories from all around the world, 
and through recorded human history. It starts with a call. Like picture Dorothy dreaming of what lies over the rainbow. Or Obi-Wan and Luke Skywalker receiving a message from Princess Leia saying, you're my only hope. Or the deluge of letters that bombarded Harry Potter calling him to Hogwarts. Then there's a moment of crossing a threshold where you leave behind the known world and enter the unknown world. Like when Bilbo Baggins steps out his door and leaves the Shire for a grand adventure. Or when Moana finally makes it across the reef and goes in search of the heart of Tefiti. They had to let go of the known world, the familiar sense of who they are, the people and places they know, the way they've always done things. None of those are available now. You have to keep letting go and letting go. I picture it a bit like that movie Up, where the old man has to throw out a whole bunch of furniture and keepsakes in order to help the house fly. The cycle of the monomyth, as Joseph Campbell calls it, goes on, and we can explore some of those phases in subsequent episodes. But for now, let's leave it at this threshold where we have to let go of all of it. It doesn't happen in a moment. It takes some time. Your invitation this week comes with a little bit of a preamble. During my quarantine months, I had a beloved book club that was a sanity touchstone for me. But now that life is back to normal, busy jobs, work travel, events, and social commitments, my girls, who would meet up every two weeks on Zoom, are now too busy to book anything. We all miss it. But how do you know what to hold on to? Or when to let go and when to squeeze tight? I don't really have answers. But I've been thinking a lot about this question of should. (laughs) When the should hits the fan... I should have figured this out by now. I should be fighting to hold on to my career. I should know what I want. I should be grateful for this soul-crushing job. I should, I should, I should. So my invitation for you this week is to play around with that idea. What are some of the shoulds that are haunting you? And which one of them can you maybe try on and see how it goes? if you let go of it. Here's something I wrote called, What Am I Waiting For? I'm waiting for everything. I'm waiting for the sun to come out. I'm waiting for my life to begin. I'm waiting until my daughter is a little older. I'm waiting for my energy to be up. I'm waiting until my last day on the job is done. I'm waiting until I know for sure this decision is right. I'm waiting until I can see around the bend. I'm waiting to see how this story ends. I'm waiting for the water to boil so I can have my morning tea. I'm waiting until I get just a little more stable with my health. I'm waiting until I find a few more hours in the day. I'm waiting for lightning to strike like a sign from God. 
Moses got some tablets on Mount Sinai. Is it too much to ask for a little burning shrub that talks, or at least a vivid dream where I hear a voice guiding me? I'm waiting until I trust myself, until I have the confidence or some kind of knowing or wisdom or whatever it looks like when you trust the call and follow it. Unfortunately, I think that's not how it works. All those stories you hear are how it's told after everything has already happened. They say, I heard the call and I followed it and that's how I ended up here. But really, in the moment, that call was a faint sound among a chorus of thoughts. You don't find the call by listening for it. You find it by walking and noticing where your steps take you, by sitting still and seeing what occurs, by writing and chasing the pen across the page. Wait a minute. That's what I'm doing this very minute. Maybe I'm not waiting, but walking. Where does this lead? Away we go. Thanks for tuning in this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to follow along as we continue our adventure exploring the next spring. And if you enjoyed it, share it with a friend. We'll see you next week.